2: Live from the Sixth and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
3: Glad you're with us. Sixth and Peabody our location with Eha Beer and Old Smokey Moonshine. Final hour is here. We're gonna talk NFL, coaches on the hot seat. We're gonna discuss the trade deadline and what it means for teams we're eliminating from at least our mind for the playoff contention and some other teams we likely regret. And we're going to preview Tennessee and Georgia. Um, Chad, one thing that just popped in my head, because we had the conversation earlier about the college football playoff rankings and Georgia, if they lose, the fact that they're third, where do they fall? And then we know how the committee's viewing the SEC. Five would be in a 12-team playoff right now, just if, if it were today. Um, Oregon's going to end up helping Georgia at the very back end here, if, if they don't make the SEC championship game, because Oregon is eighth. I've, I'm surprised based on where we were in late August, early September and how they play to today being eighth. Um, just like I am LSU being 10th based on preseason expectation. Now the big shocker is of course, Tennessee is number one, but for the argument for Georgia, um, where if they lose this week, and it's definitely a, a more of a must-win for the Bulldogs than the Vols, for sure. But Oregon, highly valued by the committee, and they still have, over the next four weeks, Utah and Oregon State, who are both ranked top 25 right now and will be whenever they play later this month. So being one spot behind unbeaten TCU is not a bad spot for the Ducks, considering perception and Quite frankly, the vast majority of America, that's the last time they saw them.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, Huffman, they got Utah at home in, on November 19th and at Oregon State uh, to uh, the Civil War to end the the, the regular season. Um, here's what's incredible about Oregon and that game against Georgia. They lost 49-3 to to Georgia. Since that time, they're averaging more than 50 points per game. Scored three against Georgia. Then they scored 70, 41, 44, 45. 49, 45, 42 for Oregon since that point. Georgia has a real opportunity. Now, if they beat Tennessee, they're number one when the next ranking comes right, out. Right, But they've got a real opportunity to have two offensive juggernauts in a complete outlier situation. So if Tennessee scores in the 20s, that's an outlier, right? Yeah, yes. Not just three. Yes. But, again, I'm giving Georgia full marks here. Oregon's been great offensively, other than that one game. They got a chance to have Tennessee in another, you know, if, if it is the one outlier for Tennessee this season where they don't erupt for a ton of points, that's a good opportunity for Georgia. But again, they could win 48-45. Doesn't matter how many points Tennessee scores, they win. They're number one in the next ranking. Paul, got a great tweet coming in. This is from Patrick Parham on Twitter. Uh, he says, quote, go somewhere else, make your own story, unquote, from Paul the Yankees fan. Your thoughts on that? Last segment, you said for the kid, go somewhere else, make your own story that committed to Alabama.
2: Yeah. And so he's telling me to go somewhere else and make my no, own story? No, he's saying
0: it's funny coming from a Yankees fan that's won a bunch of titles like Alabama has. You're telling some other kid to go somewhere else and make your own story.
2: Yeah, well, a lot of people aren't coming to the Yankees. Yankees don't chase everybody anymore. This new Hal Steinbrenner, that's not what he's doing.
0: But what, what's one of the ways you would advise people to go to the Yankees? Championships history, you're a Yankee.
2: Yeah, well, it's the r- same thing off, you're selling. The for, it's the r- same thing you're selling for Bama. I, I don't buy the comparison because recruiting Bama and free the, agency well, are not the same thing.
0: The comparison is now it is credit to both Bama, the Yankees of football. Currently, that's a That's a I, the compliment. I don't
2: buy that recruiting and free agency are the same thing. Though Hutton's funny mention there is that that's becoming the same with NIL, but I don't see it's the same because. When the Yankees sign you, you're going to you're being signed to play. When you go as the next fifth star five-star quarterback to Alabama, you're going to sit behind two other five-star quarterbacks. And what I'm saying is go somewhere else where you'll play. Now, instead of sitting behind Tua, Simpson.
3: I mean, Tua, and, they played two in the national championship game.
2: Right, but it's kind of a it, it takes a fluky thing for it to happen for it to go out of order. Oh,
3: I, I they they played the best player though ultimately yeah But
0: well, he waited the, the right? irony is funny from a yankees fan telling someone to go somewhere else make your own story i think
2: my my description was pretty well sound. that's
0: not what you said though you said go somewhere else make your own story you didn't say go somewhere else start right away and don't go sit behind people at alabama
2: but well, you make star your own story kid. if you come to the yankees you you make your own story immediately
0: well, the argument if I was going against the Yankees then would be come here, win a championship for the first time in this place, and then you're a legend. You go to the, the, Yankees, the Yankees, you're just also won a haven't bunch won, of one The
2: Yankees also haven't won since 2009. You'd be doing something new in New York. Alabama's, you know, had a down year last year when they only won an SEC championship. Um
3: yeah,
0: rebuild it. Keep, keep going on how the Yankees aren't the gold standard in baseball. Please <laughs> continue. I'm going to force you to yeah, I, the argue the against us. You I'm know what? The Yankees aren't really that good at all. Uh, to think about it, you know they're. it's
3: you should come here and make your own story because they don't win titles anymore. Yeah. The Yankees uh, rewrite the Yankees thing. <laughs> Let's rewrite the history. So the Bills acknowledged that they uh, did not reach out for Alvin Kamara. Okay. So by doing so did that, anybody? Um, I don't know. That, I, I'm just going based on uh, I'm not, uh,
0: press I'm conference. I've not seen a single report about it actually happening. We just saw the reports about it possibly yes, being in discussion with right. I mean, he got
2: cost at the very least, like a first, a second, and more. At the very least.
3: Yeah, but also If he's like, two
2: firsts, I don't, I don't know that I mean, he he's given up Saints are firsts. also,
3: I think, trying to move him because they think he's not going to be playing the first six games next year. That's the other thing
2: here. Yeah, in an investigation that's taking <laughs> forever, right? <laughs> know, we yeah. haven't heard a word about
3: it. Right. But, you know, we're seeing things that, you know, sometimes it takes forever, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but the Bills did try to make other moves prior to Naheem Hines getting there. Yeah, well, they could have done better. And
2: they were in on McCaffrey.
3: Yes, they did acknowledge that too. It's interesting, though, to hear a GM talk about another player and say, yeah, we didn't call, but we were having conversations with the Panthers. And I realize, like, he's not, he's not meddling in whatever McCaffrey's doing now. You know, but it, it's rare that you hear a general manager discuss a player on another roster in the middle of their season. I wonder how when they're much their team six and one, and you know, normally you don't even speak on free agency until you've got a guy in your building and he signed. I wonder yeah. how much control
0: McCaffrey had in terms of destination, or how much input he had if 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 offers were close to equal, because he went home. Right? I mean, he played at Stanford. He's got a lot of ties to that area as opposed to going to Buffalo. I don't know that he vetoed that move at all or he had
3: any say whatsoever. The other team was L.A. That part's interesting to me. Yeah, Yeah. The other team was L.A. Um, We're looking at the the teams that are not in playoff contention. Some of these teams were sellers at the deadline. and So I've added uh, over the first seven weeks of the season, Texans, Jets, Raiders, Panthers, Broncos, Bears, and Commanders – and uh, there's one team that deserves to be much higher and eliminated earlier. But for me, guys, it's the Detroit Lions. Load them up. Let's go. Overdoing one win. Them. One win for
0: Kirsten Dan Campbell. Bobby Lane continues. That's the pretty Lions impressive. The Lions will not be in the playoffs again.
2: This is like uh, the other kind of elimination pool. It's pretty impressive that you've uh, you've had the Lions this long.
3: You know, I've in your pocket. I felt great about six, seven, and eight because I, I realized I had some really bad teams I could go to the well with while I the rest of the league worked itself out here at the trade deadline. But uh Bears, Commanders, and, and Lions are done. And I know the commanders are four and four, but they're not I there's we're not gonna see four teams out of that division in the postseason. No chance. Yeah. Um I still feel bad about the Jets even though the Jets Yeah,
0: that's um, that's the only one I, I feel like Hutton, you've got the one that's the worst that you should feel the worst yes, about yes. of all of us that's still
3: on the list. And the Panthers, if they would They would would have won won that game. Yeah, thank goodness they removed the helmet. They still
2: wouldn't be going to the playoffs either, but yeah, it would be (laughs) bad to have a 4-4 and team on the list.
3: Yes, which I do. I have the Commanders.
2: commanders. We all have the Commanders, I think. Chad, where are you going this week? Commanders
3: are going nowhere. Let me show you some other teams that are going
0: nowhere. Here's my list. My elimination team so far. Commanders. Chad got to
2: them quick. Texans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right away. Commanders, Texans, Panthers, Colts, Broncos. Bears, and I believe I added the Lions this week, right?
2: No, I believe you have one more. No, I've got one more. Oh, I had the
0: Lions before. The numbers are really throwing me off because I feel like I'm always either one behind or one ahead of you guys. Lions are out. I agree with Hutton on that. And the newest team, let's show it. Because you don't remember. The Raiders. That was my pick this week. I felt very strong about it. That's why I gave it to Davey. That's why it's on the screen right now. The Raiders lost 24 to nothing. To the Saints. Um, let me I, repeat. The Raiders lost 24 nothing to the Saints. If that doesn't piss off Raider Nation em- enough, it really made me mad because I have both Derek Carr and Devontae Adams on my fantasy team. And after that performance, they're dead to me. They're dead to the league. They're done. They're the worst team in the AFC West alongside the Denver Broncos, a division that was supposed to be very good, is very not because of those two teams. Raiders. Raiders. GTFO they're out.
2: It's a pretty good list, but it's not quite it's a
0: solid list. It's Paul not you quite had them as out good last week. It's a this solid list.
2: list. Panthers, Commanders, Texans, Bears, Steelers, Broncos, Raiders, and a team that shockingly has not appeared on any of our lists until right now. Your Jacksonville Jaguars who are going nowhere either. They
3: can't win. They cannot win the close tight games. Neither can the Tex we you mentioned the the fourth quarter discrepancy for Houston. This past week was really the first blowout, quote unquote. I know it was seventeen to three or whatever. First time you didn't feel like the Texans were within striking distance in the fourth quarter of this season. As crazy as that sounds.
2: It's like an old and school, Jacksonville,
3: you know, Jacksonville's losing on the one yard line to the Giants.
2: Yeah. The Texans Titans game was like an old school. Uh <laughs> NFC East game. Yeah, uh, yes. you know, uh, Giants, Cowboys AFC in New Central. York in the in the December For sure. cold where seventeen ten <laughs> felt like, you know, thirty to nothing.
3: Yeah, three possession ball game. Yeah, it it was it was awful.
2: Yeah, I feel good about the Jags being on here. I yeah, feel, I, don't, I feel I don't good feel about I feel about good that list. I got to the Bears first. I feel good that I got to the Steelers first. I feel good that I got to the Jaguars first.
0: Yeah, I, I like your list. I can't really poke holes. Honestly, it, it, Hutton's Jets pick is the only one that I don't feel decent about.
2: But see, like I feel good that I still have the Colts in my pocket. Like, next week, I'm not going to look and be like, gosh, where do I go? I, at the very least, I have the Colts.
3: How soon before we have the Packers or Bucks on this list? Three or four weeks. <laughs> not, I mean, not, I'm, not, I I'm, gonna, I'm not
0: burying those guys until know, it's going to be a while. I still got Jacksonville in my pocket, Paul. So that's probably going to be my next one if they go and lose uh, here soon. So let's update the hot
3: seats. Uh, so my oh, let's in, do that. My initial hot seat um, was Mike McCarthy, and of course Matt Rule is has already been fired. I'm removing McCarthy off this list, and I'm adding a couple of names, I believe, or at least one more. Um, McCarthy to me has been far and away better than any of the other guys at the beginning of the year that we thought were on the hot seat. Um, Dennis Allen, he's making the list for me now. I and like Todd that. Bowles in Tampa Bay. If, it, if a if couple they done. If they don't make some changes with the structure of that offense, and if they don't just say, hey... I mean, to me, if, Todd, if I'm overseeing Tampa Bay, and I realize Tom Brady can do that, if I'm Todd Bowles, and I'm, if I'm Bruce Arians, and I want Todd Bowles to succeed... I'm making sure that the head coach acts like he has a clue and will publicly acknowledge that Bruce Arians is in the building. Like, I think it's more ignorant to not acknowledge it and keep it hidden away. It's odd. It's a strange and, situation. They're on to a new quarterback yep. next year. Yes.
2: And, and who's developing that guy? Well, I mean, Byron Leftwich, I guess. Yeah, but
3: if, if, if you're trying to set up Todd Bowles to succeed with the best possible scenario, you're it's, yes, and, and Dennis Allen. I mean, it has been a dumpster fire. They've they've had a ton of injuries. They've had some quarterback huge issues there. Kamara's missed games. Michael Thomas is missing games. But man, that defense that was the lock coming off of last year, and they're allowing like six and a half, seven points more per game on average than what they were a year ago, and that's the difference in their record. And I don't uh, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, an obvious one for me, Chad, your guy. Yeah, and I don't know
0: how you guys – because it's going to appear on my list too. We'll get to my list. But Cliff Kingsbury, we still feeling okay about that?
3: Yes, on him, the hot seat. Him being out? Yes. Okay. I, I've, I kept him on mine as Frank Reich. I still have both of them up there. I, I think this is like a, a playoff or pink slip type year for Arizona for him, even though they got the extension. And we have not seen the offense truly come into form. It can with Hopkins, but they're still losing, even though Hopkins is – Fifty-one percent of their offense.
0: Yeah. So my my hot seat list so far: Cliff Kingsbury, we just discussed. Matt Rule, he's already out. Frank Reich, I feel great about, especially after they uh, they basically fire their quarterback, Matt Ryan, and they fire their offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays. Yeah, uh, he's going to be next. Ron Rivera, mm, don't feel terrific about it, but I still think he's going to be on the hot seat at season's end. So let's let's well, add a name to the list. I was shocked. When I saw it wasn't already on my list, it's Nathaniel Hackett, <laughs> who I buried after one week. Maybe two. Maybe I gave him two weeks, One guys. week, but you that took to week, week was, eight to put him it on It was the Monday night hand. game. It was, Monday it was week night? one. So it yeah. was week one, yeah. Where they I think this that is probably just, yard an, field uh, goal. This is just a terrible oversight by me. And I'm going to roll Davey under the yeah, bus, too. Davey, Davey should probably have should have just you. had that on the list since I said it on the air so many times. Um, sometimes, you know, you've got to – you got to let baby boy crawl before he can walk. you just got to put it on there for me at times. But Nathaniel Hackett's a no-brainer. It's been a disaster, even with the win in London this past weekend. Uh, That offense is atrocious. He is supposed to be an offensive guy. It's not worked out with Russell Wilson. New ownership coming in. Nathaniel
3: Hackett's going to be a one-and-done. And And Ron Rivera could have new ownership coming in. After today's story about Daniel Snyder and Bank of America and the potential sale... So I don't know how Ron Rivera feels about all this because he's been the guy that's kind of keeping the organization on the tracks. And, you know, you have new ownership coming in. That's why Nathaniel Hackett's likely a a one and done, Paul.
2: Well, here's my old list. I had Kingsbury, Rule, who's gone. We don't have the X on him here. Nathaniel Hackett, Frank Reich, and Ron Rivera. And I am taking Ron Rivera off of my list this week. He's won three in a row and he's got, um, I think, more comfort. I, I, I don't know if, it, if there's going to be a transaction selling this team before opening day of next year or the time frame in which you'd need a new head coach, but he could be back on. But after I went to Houston and witnessed what Lovie <laughs> Smith did firsthand, he's on this list. If they play two more games like that, and I know McLean, I asked him about this. He didn't talk me out of it. That was one of the most uninspired efforts that I've seen. And then to listen to him talk about it afterwards with just a feeling of, you know, reservation about it. Like, you know, eh, it was what it was. And you know what? We're going to have a couple walkthroughs this week. There's not going to be much we can do to improve for some the of Eagles. It, some of it was just I effort. I say
3: GTFO. Yeah, I mean, it was just effort, though, Paul. Like, the his defense is not... It was third quarter, and they're not even trying it's, it's that hard also, to hit well, him. Well, that's it's, on those
2: guys primarily. I'm always about the player first. But uh, in this situation, I'll take it I, to the second level also and say you've sure. got to inspire those guys and get more out of them than you did. they He said, we knew the challenge coming in here in Derrick Henry, and we were not up for the physical... Combat that was ahead of us. And that is a bad thing for a coach to say. I am way out on Lovey Smith. It's effort by
0: his players. It's effort by him on the sidelines. I'm amazed at the, the lack of any communication the man has than he wants. They showed him over and over and over again on CBS on Sunday, and he's never speaking. He's just standing there.
2: He's an observer. With coach. his beard. It's, he it's speaks crazy. After the game. He, 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 he does all of his adjustments. Gotcha. No, you know between games, and then he just lets the lets them. Play. His
0: adjustments are: we're not going to have time for a lot of adjustments this no. week, so don't expect. Yeah, talk anything to me better. after
2: the Eagles game. Let's not act rash. Then I've got ten days. There's then not a lot we can do in a short week.
0: Let's not act rash.
2: Yeah, I am way out after and doing that. I, I Texans, understand that's way, personal.
3: Currently, in 2023, have 12 picks. They have two first-round picks, and right now, I believe it's two top five picks. Yes. They also have a second rounder, two third rounders, four sixth rounders, and the first and third round picks are additional from Cleveland for the Watson trade. So is it going to be Lovey Smith or is it a new regime that's coming in to
2: Well, I think Casario is, is firmly planted there. But I mean if he's hiring a third head coach, that's the beginning of the end for him as well. Yeah,
3: but David Cully was
2: a I mean we, he was a temp. But why it do you hire a temp? Like why do you hire a temp well, why with you your why'd you fire favorite?
3: David Culley if, if your response I is to hire know. Lovey Smith? I don't know because the whole who thing's you
2: preposterous.
3: Yeah, um, man, what a great weekend we have coming up in the SEC. Two massive games, specifically Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, LSU. We take a look around the Southeastern Conference and we focus between the hedges. Next on Outkick three hundred and sixty. Average ticket price in Athens is like six hundred and fifty dollars to get in for Tennessee, Georgia. Our kick three sixty rolls on. That's the get in price. Right.
0: That's the low that's not average. That's the lowest ticket right now oh, okay. to get in the stadium. It's the it's the richest ticket on record for college football. Tennessee, Georgia
3: on Saturday. Steep. Steep, steep, steep. And I mean, two things add into this. Number first, it's Georgia's hosting the game, and it's the first time at Sanford Stadium that we've seen two top three teams play each other there. And the second thing is it's your division rival who's number one in the country ahead of you, and you're you're unbeaten. You're coming off of your national championship season with your six-year quarterback. This is going to be a lot of fun.
0: We had this discussion off air yesterday, maybe a little bit on air too. I believe CBS will go one versus two Mm -hmm. and use the AP poll – because it's going to look a lot better when they go Georgia 1, Tennessee 2. Because they're not beholden to the college football playoff ranking, right? right. right? Yep. I Although, noticed, I'm i on ESPN now. They've obviously changed everything over to reflect the college football playoff ranking. So their score bug will have Tennessee 1, Georgia
3: 3. See, I, I know what you're saying, and I, I, aesthetically it's going to look great by doing that. But we kind of know it's number 1 versus number 2. Even yeah. though it's one versus three. It's still so weird to me to see the because number Because if Georgia one wins, they'll be number one, right? Like it, and if, if Georgia loses, then, well, they're falling out just like Tennessee would. Yep. Um, and it's also like, if you're broadcasting the game and you're having to explain to your audience like, oh, it says one versus two, but here's the college football playoff and here's what it means. You have to explain the whole, just go by the playoff system, please. Yeah the
0: AP is it doesn't matter it's the shelf life is over once the college football playoff ranking comes out they're all top 25s theirs means nothing at that point everything is going to be slotted by the college football playoff ranking.
3: At At the matchup level here Brock Bowers versus who who do you think Tennessee starts starts on him?
0: I think they'll try to defend him with linebackers to start. I think Jeremy Banks, who's not good in coverage. I think Juwan Mitchell. Um, you know They're going to have to have safety help. Tennessee's not been very good against tight ends. I was reading a stat earlier about tight end efficiency rankings, and they've got some guys who had their best game of the year or one of them against them, including a freshman tight end for Kentucky this past weekend who had four catches for 48 yards, which I don't even remember, uh, quite frankly, but apparently he had a good day. Uh, Mason Taylor had a good game for LSU against Tennessee. Um, they've had some guys. Uh, Pitt's, Pitt's tight end had his career day against Tennessee. So that's not necessarily good. I'll also say there's no good matchup in college football on Brock Bowers and Washington. Uh, you just don't. Who are, who do you cover them with? I mean, how many teams have someone that will be good in coverage against those guys? So it, it was going to be a bad matchup
3: regardless. I But... You know, teams have been able to cover this offense better than the receivers for Tennessee.
0: Well, here's the thing about it. I mean, I would still take Tennessee's receivers over Bowers and Washington. Yeah. Because A.D. Mitchell is good. He should well, be able to play. Well, that comes with him
3: and Hooker. That's the other caveat here.
0: So A.D. Mitchell was out for the Florida game. Uh, Kirby Smart said today, hopefully can go. So who knows, on Saturday. Trying to give it a go in practice. Lad McConkey is their... their Go-to guy, I guess. He's a solid player. You know, good receiver. But give me Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Brew McCoy. That trio of receivers maybe the best in all of college football uh, from just a playmaking standpoint. And give me Hendon Hooker also. Now, Stetson Bennett, the ceiling is so high for that guy, and we've seen him at his best. Um, but the floor can be very low. Hendon Hooker does not have a – he's got a very high floor from what we've seen play-wise from him. So can Tennessee get to Stetson Bennett and affect him in this game is a big part of it. But when in doubt, he's going to give the ball to Brock Bowers.
2: I'm not convinced that there's not going to be at least a moment where a Tennessee receiver manages to find himself open in the way that they've been managing to find themselves open. I mean, open, open. I, I know Georgia's a different caliber team with a different caliber defense. But there's no way these guys have been finding themselves that open by accident so regularly. And there's something about this team that springs those guys that way.
3: Yeah. Um, his name is Josh Hypel. Yeah. So
0: uh, Joe Rexrode wrote a great piece in The Athletic where he interviewed Heupel. Uh, he interviewed uh, Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio talking about Hypel and, and a version of that offense he saw with the Detroit Lions back in the day when he was with the Bears, and uh, it's, it's fascinating all the different – if the hypal offense is a quilt, all the different patches of that quilt that make it what it is. It's You know, it's got the Mike Leach air raid, but it's got Art Briles' variation on that. It's got old-school wishbone to it. It's got run and shoot from the, from the NFL to it. It's crazy all the different ways they've, they've patched this. Alex Golish, the offensive coordinator, was hired when he was a tight ends coach at Iowa State – So they have heavy packages. That's much more of an Iowa State pro-style feel to it we've seen this year with I-formation, taking snaps under center that we haven't seen before. It's really cool to see where Tennessee got to this hybrid offense that they run. But one of the things that's pointed out, and it was either this piece or another one by David Ubbin at The Athletic, where they're interviewing different – I think it was Ubbin – interviewed a bunch of different defensive coordinators that have faced both Georgia and Tennessee to get their their (laughs) – picks on the game and just anonymous talking about the offenses said that that play that worked twice against Kentucky, where it's it's McCoy in this game, it was McCoy and Hyatt stacked on the far right sideline, and then Hyatt was wide open on both of them. The defensive coordinator said Tennessee runs that seven or eight times a game, and it's almost the only unstoppable play in college football from what they've seen said because those guys are so good at reading coverage after the snap that that is a play and a route that's run after the snap. They see how it's being defended, and then they go. And Hendon Hooker is so good at knowing what his guys are doing and where they're going to go and what they're going to do. There's such a sixth sense between them that it's almost impossible to stop. It was an interesting read, but something else that jumped out to me about the piece, most of the coaches they talked to picked Tennessee to win outright in this game. Said they were well, all surprised that Georgia was favored in this game from what they've seen from both teams. That surprised me. How well, do you stop Tennessee's offense, Hutton, You've got to have the dudes to do it. Georgia may be the only team that does. We're going to find out. Because well, you've got to be able to go man-to-man, and you've got to stay with them and make plays as a corner.
3: Alabama had the dudes to do it. You would think. Because they kick a field goal and they, at worst, go to overtime. At worst, they give up the, give up the yards. But at worst, they go to overtime. But,
0: but hold on. What I'm saying is Alabama did nothing against Tennessee defensively. Tennessee right. dominated but, them. I'm saying it's, it's, they it. could have won. I, I'm talking defensively covering Tennessee. You just got to have players
3: that well, are elite
0: and that are better than Tennessee's players on but, the outside. But it's
3: different. So Alabama can get down 18 points at halftime and come back and take the lead in the fourth quarter. Georgia gets down by 18 they're not coming back. They don't have that offense. But their defense is good enough to keep them from getting down 18. So it's just a different... I, I think defensively, um, yeah. they do match up better in the secondary. I would still go after Starks, the freshman uh, safety. I, I think they'll, they'll try to exploit him based on uh, just the inexperience. But, you know, Georgia's defense also has Jalen Carter against Mays. So... Are they going to be able to get pressure up the middle against Hendon Hooker? And what does that do to throw off the rhythm and cadence of how this offense maneuvers up and down the field at speeds that no one else is doing? Or 15-play drives where they hand off 13 times? Yeah, how
0: big is the loss of Nolan Smith? Then
3: yeah, We'll find sure. out. George
0: yeah. is a team that pressures the quarterback well but doesn't get sacks. So they're last in the SEC in sacks with 10. Nolan Smith had three of those. But they're good at pressuring the quarterback. How does Hendon Hooker... Handle the pressure. He's done great with it all year. Um, And I agree with you. I I don't see any scenario where Tennessee's up 18 in this game, right? Just because of Georgia's defense. I don't think Georgia's going to hand them anything offensively. And Tennessee's been able to exploit bust because of their scheme. I do think this is a game. This is a Cedric Tillman game for this reason. They're not going to, Georgia is a smart defensive football team. They're very sound, very well coached. They're never out of position. So you're going to have to throw it up for grabs, and Tillman's your throw-it-up-for-grabs guy. And he can go get it on any DB. So you like that. Even if it's Ringo, who's great, and probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Good on good. I, I like Cedric Tillman's chances against any corner in college football if it is a 50-50 ball in the air. He's with not going to
2: let it get picked.
0: With his strength, yes. Yeah. So Ideal. That's, Tennessee's going to have to win a number of those in this game. It's not going to be... I've said this a lot this year, and I feel like I keep, you know, repeating myself and it continues to happen. But I do feel like this is probably the first game where guys aren't streaking wide open down the field for
3: touchdowns. They're gonna have to make one-on-one plays. This is the other key factor here. I so Stetson Bennett, you're right on the stats. Like he, he looks amazing against Oregon. He's had some down games, but just on paper, he's been good overall. Only three interceptions. You know, they're 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 very Solid numbers for what the offense was compared to what it is now and what the defense was last year compared to what it is now. Very good team. Strong resume for Georgia. Tennessee's better in that regard at quarterback. But also keep in mind, like, how many five stars have been through that door at Georgia that could not win this game? This dude can. And college football playoff shut up a lot of people last year. After the SEC championship game, the fan base is calling for him to be benched. And what does he do? He puts on a show and he's the MVP of the college football playoff. Comes back for a sixth year. And at the time, it's like, you know, I'm just, we're going to turn 25. I'm not going to the league. Going back to college. He's the one guy older than Hendon Hooker,
0: who's 24. Yeah. <laughs> and, so but but also, like,
3: Hendon Hooker is ready for this moment. That's the other thing. And... I, I'm fascinated by the two quarterback matches because they're vastly different in how they're going about things. But I don't think the moment is too big for either guy. And it definitely plays a factor that Stetson's playing at home.
2: The 24 thing to me is too big of a turnoff the way people talk about it when they're looking at the draft. Like if he's 24 and you think he's a good NFL prospect and he could come and be your quarterback for 10 years, 13 years,
0: yeah, I mean, age who, who matters less now with
2: quarterbacks. Yeah. Yep. I mean, a lot of times a guy comes in and you say he's too young and, and we got to wait on him to mature. Well, you don't have to wait on this guy to mature. Well, that's normally like a
3: skill position or – I think it does matter at receiver. Yeah, if I don't, a guy's going to lose his speed
2: yeah, by no, I agree.
3: second
0: contract.
2: But for a quarterback, why is why is that such a downside, a 24-year-old quarterback? It,
0: the biggest night to me. I mean, it's not,
2: optimally, you get to, you're hoping for I, I ten think, years from a guy,
0: right? I don't think the biggest knock on Hooker is uh, the Two age, contracts. as much as oh, he's a system guy. You know, you can't run that offense yeah, that NFL, and he's a system guy. But I, he's got some skills. Watch it's it's not just the skills, the physical skills. Set that aside. He's got those. I mean, he can he can do the job as of an NFL quarterback. Watch his processing. And then watch how quick that Tennessee offense operates, and I mean it is a it is a well organized where everyone is on the same page and knows the formation and knows the play fast break. If you're telling me that guy can't mentally process a pro style, give me a break. I mean that offense they don't run a ton of plays, but what they're doing is it is read and react. I mean it is split second. What is the job of a quarterback? Get the snap see what's going pre-snap and then once it's snapped and quickly process and get rid of the ball. I think Hinton Hooker has those qualities as a quarterback and he's shown that time and time again in this offense. I marvel at how quickly Tennessee gets into different formations when they're lining up. A lot of times they'll go to something totally different after getting a six yard run. And I am thinking, how do they, how do you even know when you're going that quick? He's shouting things out, Hinton Hooker is, but that everyone is there. It's, It's incredible to see what Heupel's done with this offense. And I think the good news for Tennessee moving forward after Hooker, long-term, and Heupel has said this a number of times, he'll design an offense for the quarterback. There's really no rhyme or reason to the style of quarterback he recruits, if you notice. They'll get a guy like a Drew Locke at Missouri that's Mm -hmm. never going to run it, or they'll get a guy who's going to run it half the time. He can design the offense based around the skill set of the quarterback and tweak and change things as he goes, which – that's good news. Do you, you want a guy that can do that offensive. Do you think
2: Bennett experiments with one of these leagues, USFL and uh and XFL, or you think he's
3: co- I don't,
0: man, content to
2: be done?
3: I get the sense he's he's done, but I, I That's
2: respectable I, if, he, hey, if he is like Hey,
3: that. um going into the year I had no I, I had no preconceived notions that he would be like Heisman worthy in September and he was mentioned then. He's not now. Um well, we said the same thing about Hendon Hooker, and Hendon Hooker can play in the
0: league. But
2: virtually all of these guys who go USFL or XFL are dreaming of the NFL, and it yeah, sounds like he's got a good handle on the yeah. fact that he's not yeah. getting
0: no, it. No, I don't think he has any future in pro sports. Um, he's going to go have a high-paying job for some Georgia alum, and he's going to be at every Georgia home game. So do you go the to the
2: USFL or XFL to have some fun for a while and play some pro ball? And
0: If no, I'm him, no.
2: They can
3: make more money. Staying in a college town. I mean, he's going to make maybe money the just seventh being year. Stetson Bennett. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> like, think of the guy. Anyone that's of power, Stay in Athens, that it is Georgia a- that's an alum,
3: that's a fan, is going to want to hire him to you, do whatever. We, we had this discussion. I wrote about this in June. But the guy has he's coming back as a winning national championship quarterback and has a chance to run it back. And he has, at that time, like, no one's talking about Heisman. No one's talking about the league. And if he does it again, he's getting a statue. Think about that. That just... Nuts. And he's a win this weekend away from being the number one team in the country where they're all but a lock to be at worst, like third, if they lose in the SEC championship Yeah, game. it's
2: virtually unheard of to have a, a, a guy like that anymore. It's kind
3: of a happy accident for Georgia that
0: they fell into him. And when he got his Twice. chance, he, he took off.
3: <laughs> and after all those four and five hey, stars, he's,
0: he's slippery. Uh, Tennessee's talked about it all week. That's a big problem with him. They, they feel like they can get pressure on him. But getting him to the ground or truly affecting My him is tough. Year. He had a long touchdown run against Tennessee a year ago, but he's the the Bryce Young conundrum that Tennessee had was yeah. getting to him, but him always, you know, finding a way to work out of it and find a guy down the field. It's the same, it's not to the same level. I'm not saying Stetson Bennett is Bryce Young, but it's the same type of problem
3: that he presents. Just keep in mind the 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 differences though. They're putting up points, but it's just so he, he has nine passing touchdowns. Hooker has 21. Um, Tennessee, the fourth, uh, ranked fourth in the country, 26 passing touchdowns. Um, Georgia is tied for 66 with 13 total. Um, Hooker has at least two passing touchdowns in every game. Bennett has three games without a passing touchdown this season. So maybe it just comes down to the run game. And I say all that, Tennessee still, I mean, they, they run it more than Georgia. And they have more yards than Georgia on average, even though they time of possession is really low. I was talking to a defensive football coach this week and
0: just asked them what they thought of this game. And they said it was very simple. Tennessee's offense versus Georgia's defense. said it's very simple. If Georgia can stop or slow down Tennessee's run with six guys in the box, they've got them. But no one's been able to do that yet. If they can contain it that way, they can defend the pass. If they can't, they're bringing up an extra guy or two, and then Tennessee's got them. They're going to have big plays down the field at that point. Uh, Kentucky, we saw it. Tennessee ran a drive that was 15 plays, 13 of which were runs for a touchdown. Tennessee will be patient. Mm -hmm. So if Georgia wants to stay in a six-man box, Tennessee will try to play the numbers game and get something going. Is Georgia good enough with Jalen Carter, who is outstanding, and their defense to stop Tennessee running it with six guys in the box. We'll find out. I think that's a big key in this game, and I thought that was interesting that if they can do that and they believe they can, they're going to have great luck in this game.
3: Can't wait for uh, kickoff, and we're having a big watch party here at 6th and Peabody for the game. You can join us if you're in the Middle Tennessee area, and, of course, we're going to be previewing uh, both this and Alabama, LSU, and and so much more. I'll be coaching basketball at 5 p.m.
0: on a 2.30 Central Time kickoff.
2: And if you're on the 130 uh, 130 flight to Kansas City, let's hope that uh, Southwest has good internet.
0: I'm irrationally angry this week every time I talk about this game. And it's not just Uh, this game or your
2: daughter's
3: game? No, the coach's
0: game. My daughter's game, I'm mad about because (laughs) the timing, because it's seven and eight year old basketball. (laughs) Sorry, six and seven year old. And it's always in the morning. And they've got some sort of thing with availability of gyms. 5 p.m. I mean, it couldn't just be, if it was at two even, I could easily start the game a little bit late and go, but such an awkward time right in the middle of the game. Hate it.
3: Hate
2: it. Tough kid. Tough break.
3: Coming up, is the blue check mark on Twitter worth paying for and what's ultimately going to be the price? We discuss that and we get you ready for the sports evening, World Series and more on Outkick 360. Coming up on the Thursday edition of Outkick 360, Trey Wallace will preview all things SEC. Armando Salguero takes us around the NFL, and Michael McHenry will be recapping all of the World Series results since last week. A lot has happened, and the Phillies could return tomorrow on the show, and we're talking about a 3-1 series lead.
2: We're having cheesesteaks in my house tonight to honor the Phillies. Oh, there you go. I like
0: that. Nice. Uh, also, uh, apparently, no cheesesteaks are being delivered to Astros fans in uh, in Philly right now. Paul,
2: I just read a headline, but it basically said that, uh, that a barbecue joint and and uh, maybe a pizza place have turned down um, catering offers from the Astros. So uh, they're turning down thousands of dollars in business. The owner of that place said, I will, "I
0: will take my kid out of private school before I sell any food to an Astros fan in this city. Not in my city. Not in
3: my town." I like that stance. You think do you think they'll out the, the the catering business that does provide? Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: I'll be damned a, if I'm ever yeah. eating
2: here again after you fed <laughs> the Astros.
0: I, I would immediately start uh, paying for local commercials going against the rival <laughs> that gave it to them. You want to come to Geno Steaks where we don't sell to Astros fans, unlike Pat. Yeah, I don't across think this street. is
2: Astros fans. I think this is the team. I think they're oh, turning it's the down. Team. Team. Yeah, they won't. Yeah. They won't oh provide goodness. food to the team.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Can you imagine the Astros are, are out on the streets <laughs> looking for food?
0: Sorry, sir. Wandering Phil- wandering Keep the moving. streets
2: of Philadelphia.
0: Just,
3: uh, rolling through a subway, getting
0: a bunch of footlongs
3: <laughs> for the team. They're walking up to people like uh, we were walked up to on the street of L.A. where a guy came up and gave, gave me a dollar and asked me to go get a cookie. Remember that? <laughs>
0: yeah. And Hunt was trying to think, what is, like, uh, what, what, is what is slang for cookies? Yeah, I'm like, what am I about <laughs> to purchase for you? Just go go to the front registers. trust me. Go to the register. Ask for a cookie. Just ask for a cookie. Here's a dollar. It only costs a dollar. You may have to pitch in a little more than that afterwards. And, and then yeah. and give it and to.
2: seven hours later, Hutton woke up at a, at a
3: rave, <laughs> bleeding. Yes. About an episode of The Wire, uh, in, in Los Angeles. Um, and then he woke up in a dumpster in El Segundo. <laughs> so is Twitter. So Twitter is going to charge what? Twenty dollars a month. That's what twenty dollars a month for the blue checkmark for only. your
2: verification. So ninety days after this kicks off. If you haven't bought your checkmark, it'll go away. So I don't. The, the checkmark in of itself is nice, but the thing is, like for for content people like us, like like Mike Titan stuff for my website with the checkmark is more likely to wind up in their search feeds or when they compile no, the compile stuff, right. Titan stuff, or Mike Vrabel so- stuff, or Derrick Henry stuff. And if I don't have the check mark, it won't wind up
3: there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not paying twenty dollars for that a month. Now, are, can we edit posts? Can we add lengthy videos? If you have the blue check mark, I think so. I, versus, I think uh, lower standard definition video for the. Uh, then it becomes more valuable.
2: There is an editing function with Twitter Blue, and I I think with this $20, you become a Twitter Blue person, so you do get some of those benefits. I like the editing feature. I think it should have a, a short time length on it, like that you could correct your spelling error, not that you could go change the content of your tweet a month later when you said one thing or, and want to make it out to say something else? Source that the opens, reporter
3: that you stole the information yeah, from. Yeah, right.
2: That that opens a Pandora's box right. of, of trouble, right? But I wonder. I mean, a lot of a lot of people on Twitter are saying there's no way in hell I'm paying two forty a year. I don't, for I don't
3: this. think I would do it right now. I'd probably, which, do which business,
2: business purposes, probably do it for business business purposes. I'd probably do it.
3: I like it. Whatever. I like. I like,
0: like having a check mark. I do. Not that's afraid to admit it, Chad. I like it. I would have been. Think about, than,
3: think about the money that uh, it gives. It gives me a certain sense
2: of comfort. I could have had for Withrow
3: already. So he's one of the
0: richest
2: Back, guys in the tomorrow. world, Rout and King he's going to be rich. Don't block the box, but please, please lock the locks. I'm verified, so that's good advice.